That was a very powerful story. Could you share it in brief with us? You were on a plane and suddenly your heart stopped. Yeah, as abbreviated as I can. Sure. It was January 28th, 1999, and I had produced a documentary and received a call from a company in Nashville, Tennessee. Hi, I'm Guy Kawasaki. I am the creator of the Remarkable People podcast, which is the second best podcast in the world. The first being Ash Roy's Productive Insights Podcast. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Welcome back to the Productive Insights Podcast. Today's guest is Bill Dolan. And Bill Dolan is an Emmy-nominated creative director at Spirit Media. For over 30 years, Bill has produced events for hundreds of thousands and directed broadcasts for millions. And he has acted as a consultant for world-class organizations from startups to Fortune 500 companies. In 1999, Bill had a death experience that challenged his worldview and his approach to communication and marketing. Years of research led him to write the book, The Seven Disciplines of Relationship Marketing, also known as 7DRM. Today, Bill is recognized as an authority, a national speaker, and a workshop trainer of the 7DRM strategy. I'm delighted to welcome Bill Dolan from spiritmedia.com, and we are going to talk about relationship marketing and how you can use it to grow your business sustainably. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, Bill. Lovely to have you on. Great to be here with you, Ash. It's always an honor, honor to be with you, my friend. Delighted to have you. I'm also delighted to say that uh, Bill is one of our Productive Insights members, and this episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Membership Program. You can find out more by going to getmetodone.com. Bill, can you tell us why you think relationship marketing is so critical to sustainable business growth particularly today? Well, the biggest reason is that relationship marketing is the gateway to sustainable life. (laughs) You, You see, after my death experience, there was an epiphany. And the epiphany was this, that if we're given today as a gift, we can breathe, we can talk, we can have meetings with people that we love and and believe and want to support. But here's the thing. If you've been given the gift of life today, in many ways, not only is it a gift for you, but it's a confirmation that you have a gift to give others. And that's the beauty of our life is not just the fact that I can have things done for me, but more important that I can do things for others. Hmm. And it's in that action that relationship, one of the richest, most important things that we experience in life can be manifest. When I started to reflect about my early television career and advertising and all those things, basically, we lived in a world of transactions where I could try to get somebody to buy from me and we got good at getting people to buy stuff from us. But for the most part, it was transactions. You give me something, I give you something. You give me something, I give you something. And we called it value. But the truth is, instead of looking into the hearts and the eyes of our audience and saying, can I really transform you and deliver an outcome that's meaningful? 
we were busy staring at everybody's wallets thinking, how can I get into you and get more of it? So when you talk about relationship marketing, you're going beyond just the idea of a transaction, but saying, how can you deliver transformation and how can you do it in a way that I believe all of us are wired for? And it's the richest, richest part about being alive on this earth today. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I just released an episode, episode number 209, which was about inbound versus outbound marketing. And in my mind, inbound marketing is very much about using content and leading with value and then developing a relationship through content and then nurturing your ideal audience through the buyer's journey from being initially just at the you know, awareness stage and then to the discovery stage and then the decision or purchase stage. That's a HubSpot concept. And I really like what HubSpot's about from that inbound perspective. Uh, Something that Seth Godin and I talked about a lot in episode 200 was about generosity and empathy. And I think that's really at the core of relationship marketing. Would you agree? Oh, totally. This whole idea, in fact, hospitality at its root does mean generosity. And when you talk about people that you love and care about, which hopefully part of this is really not just a matter of a behavior change, but it's a heart change for all of us that are in business to say, how can I actually love and honor and respect the people I have the privilege of serving? And when you do that, it really demands that you do it in a generous way, that you do it in a way that doesn't just satisfy, but it delights. And part of it is is not just the idea. It's a good thing to do. It's a right thing to do. It's a killer way to build a business. Because if you follow the pattern that you've brilliantly laid out in many times on your shows, we talk about awareness. In fact, in my book, I call it the, the, the fishers of men model of marketing. Because you start from you know, awareness to learning, to understanding, to embracing, to buy-in, and then you get in the boat. And most people believe that you got them in the boat, we've made the sale, boom, ring the bell, it's victory. But the truth is, is that the greatest model in business is not a, a catch and keep model. It's a catch and release model. And the goal being that if you are generous and delight and overwhelm, and in fact, bring such transformation in your clients that you don't just have a customer, you have an ambassador. And you've moved in relationship from just having a marketing plan to literally creating a movement. And that's yes. one of the other beautiful benefits of generous relationship marketing. Yes, I agree. You've been an Emmy-nominated TV producer. Can you tell us how you've brought these principles to your work? Well, probably the biggest thing has to do with working in television in the business of aggregating eyeballs is what we are really in the business. I mean, the real economy is not about dollars or yen or whatever currency you're talking about. The real global currency is eyeballs. And to be able to produce content that brings value to people's life and either educates them, entertains them, heals them, encourages them, inspires them, is part of what people in the television entertainment industry have learned to do well. And As they do that well, they aggregate eyeballs and they're able to turn that into cash or money in the form of advertising or sponsorships or things like that. Now, if you take that skill set and you add that to the idea of relationship and business, really what it means is that, again, we're getting past transactions to how can I give you such an engaging experience 
that I can move you along the buying journey and not just delight you in the in the final uh, whatever deliverable is I bring to the table, but can I delight you in the journey to get there? One of my favorite places to work, and and I've really loved working with the Disney team. And if you go to Disneyland or any of the great amusement parks, a lot of people get in line. Like let's just say uh, Splash Mountain. Okay, if you've ever been to Disneyland, there's a thing called Splash Mountain. And you go to Splash Mountain, and a lot of people think Splash. What's about the Splash? Well, guess what? What Disney learned, it's not just about the splash. It's about the experience before the splash. Right. And it's about the afterglow after the splash. And that comes from the roots of Walt and his brilliant Imagineering team that says that we don't just want to give them a splash ride. We want to give them an experience. And that experience starts even before you get on the ride. So when you bring that mindset to marketing a business, you recognize that, as we say here at our agency, Spirit Media, every touch point will build or undermine your brand. Every touch point will build or undermine your customer experience. And when you're thoughtful about that, the things we've learned in television and entertainment make that a lot smarter. Here's a question. Television, I would imagine, is a very fast-moving metric-driven environment, which a lot of marketers find themselves in as well. Most marketing that I've seen tends to be what is called outbound marketing, and it's all about you know maximum return on investment and return on ad spend and so on. How do you negotiate these, shall we say, treacherous waters with a heart-centered approach? How did you manage to do that and still emerge as an Emmy-nominated TV producer? Well, I can tell you this. It was hard. And I'll tell you why it was hard. Because working in television, I was an employee of an American television network. And so as an employee of that, I didn't get to make a lot of critical decisions about our content. I was there as a director. And so I basically had to take whatever they gave me, package it up and make it look really good and make people watch it and enjoy it. Now, the Emmys that I actually did get not, and I was a part of Emmys tied to my television work then. The Emmys that I've been nominated since were passion projects that I was able to do afterwards. The difference was this, and it's a difference for any business, is you have to say, is your product really good? Yeah. Is what you're offering, because there's a different, look, we can sell garbage, you know, there's people just got really good at selling garbage. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that the pet rock or others, these novelties are garbage, but let's face it, it's a pet rock and it sold millions and millions of, of, of rocks. <laughs> and you don't want your product, obviously, to be a pet rock. And it doesn't have to be, you know, gold nuggets that constantly produce life changing transformation every second. But you want to know that you deliver value value. And when you become a master of your craft, either in service or product, there's a sense of peace that comes out of being able to deliver meaning and value. When you go to bed at night, you know that the nature of business can be very fast and be very aggressive and very competitive. But when you go to bed at night and you say, you know what? I made a difference in the lives that participated in, uh, in this relationship. I made a difference in the world. There's yes. nothing better than that. You might not be the richest business person in the world, but I will tell you, you be the happiest because you know that you use your gift to make a difference in the lives of others. 
You have a lot of wisdom, Bill. Thank you. I don't know if you have met Julie McDonald. She's also in our Productive Insights membership program, but she is the founder of Clan mm-hmm. Mac Media. And she used to work as a news anchor for the British Broadcasting Corporation. She now works uh, as a freelancer on Al Jazeera. And in fact, we're working together and launching a podcast on neurodiversity, which is a passion project of hers. And Julie and I talked about the importance of authenticity and about brand building around authenticity. And she works as a media consultant for some of these large companies. She shared some great insights in that episode. So if you're listening to this or even watching it on YouTube, I recommend checking it out. We linked that in the show notes. Okay, so let's move on to the next question I have for you. How would you differentiate relationship marketing from traditional marketing? Well, probably the most significant difference is that that word relationship. And you have to really ask that question. What's relationship? Well, a relationship is recognizing that there's people at the other end of this business deal. Yes. Not just bodies, not just numbers, not just transactions, not just checks on your Excel spreadsheet or, you know, inputs on your PL. These are people. When you're constantly reminded that there's people, it changes the dynamic of your business structure to the degree that you don't just say, how can I create that transaction? But how can I honor this person? Because in a relationship, what do you want to do? You want to love? You want to honor? You want to respect? And the nature of a business, we have to ask what that looks like and what that feels like. You know, but in, in, in our case, we have pretty a high-touch business. It's, we do large-scale projects for our agency, Spirit Media, does a lot of virtual events and virtual experiences. We also do live events, and then we produce a lot of videos and brand videos. And when we do those things, those are intimate And I say they're intimate because we ask questions that get to the heart of the brand's soul of a company, to the purpose behind what they're doing, why they're doing it, and then missions around what needs to be accomplished. That demands me asking tough questions, but also shows up in me being present for those questions. That's another key ingredient of relationship is being present. Yes. And. Sometimes in business, it's hard to be present because we've got a lot of things on our plate. And we're busy thinking, oh, get to this thing, get to that thing, get that. And relationship marketing means that when you show up, you show up. And that's a significant thing that we all have to do a little test in our own heart to say, am I here for you or am I here just for me? And when you look at that from a relationship, again, it can change in so many hundreds of micro ways as relationships can. But when you start with that heart perspective, you can see how it can be manifest in your business. And it, it's, a, it's a game changer. It's not only a game changer in how you relate to your customers and your clients. It's a game changer in the culture of your organization because it needs to pervade every touch point, not just the sales process, yes. not just the delivery process, not just the collect the check process. Yep. And this talks to something very important in a business, and that is culture. I think it's about focusing on better, not just more. You know, in your book, 7DRM, you shared a story about how you worked with a particular company that was in the property space. And 
how you were able to really bring about a significant transformation to the whole business. I would love for you to share that or another similar story, which illustrates how the 7DRM approach can be so powerful. It was a perfect example in how we could use the seven disciplines to really elevate a project from just creating a transaction opportunity for real estate to really transforming really a brand and experience for everybody that was involved. And the short version is this. uh, This was a a high-end developments in Hawaii. These were five, 10 to $20 million properties and they're beachfront. It was a brand new development. And my client asked me, said, I don't want to just be another piece of real estate on on a Hawaiian beach. I want something special. And I believe we have an opportunity here. And so it started with honoring the seven disciplines, the primary principles. And the the first principle is, is the discipline of mission, which means crafting a mission manifesto about why we're doing this, the missions we need to accomplish, goals that we need to set, the values that drove our campaign, and the vision for what it looked like when it came out. And I say those pretty fast. But the truth is, those are hard things. And the processes that a lot of companies will reject because it's so hard. Do I have to go that deep? And say, yes, you do. Because it will help create that next clarity. And that is the audience that we're called to serve. Now, in the case of of a a company, that might be a, a different thing. But in the case of real estate, we knew that this was a special buyer. Not everybody writes five, 10, $20 million checks for real estate. And so directing clarity around that audience. Now, a lot of people talk about avatars and personas, and that's a good exercise. In my book, I really talk about the idea of doing the 10-digit human address. And I press people to not just create just a persona, but I want you to know them intimately. I want you to love them. I want you to honor them. I want you to respect them. I want you to know them so well that you could describe them as if they were your best friend to somebody you've never met. That is a heightened level of knowledge because when you know them intimately, the message that goes into the marketing is not just about talking to anybody. It's talking intimately to that person. And I think I use the reference in the book, it goes from just writing a message letter to really writing a love letter because a love letter is, is direct and it's personal and address their wants and needs. So we created a whole campaign after developing really, really sharp personas about who our audience was. And again, we didn't know exactly who was going to buy that property, who would be attracted, but we shaped this so sharply that the message was really right on. And of course, we expanded that within the fourth discipline, which had to do with messengers and ambassadors. A lot of us teach the idea of customer relationship management. And what the fourth discipline in my book is talking about ambassador relationship management. It's a whole nother protocol that takes referrals to a higher multiple, because Mm -hmm. it's not just finding somebody that'll speak on your behalf. It's someone who elevates your brand because of who they are, what they say, and to whom they speak. We did that through the real estate market. We did that through the entertainment market. We did it through PR. Bottom line was it attracted not just our persona, but it ended up being the the vacation home of the president of the United States, uh, President wow. Obama. He not only became the personification of who might buy it, but he also was a personification of the perfect messenger. Now, he was yes. president early on. He wasn't in a position to buy it right then. But 
we took it that extra step because we leveraged his messenger power. And I negotiated a package with ABC. We got free press. We negotiated a package with uh, the fabulous Ocean Home magazine, which is one of the brilliant magazines in the Ocean Home uh, space globally. And we received easily a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars of free press because of how we positioned it. Mm. And after that exposure, well, I guess bottom line, uh, the home sold at a premium. And uh, that to this day, that home carries the meme that we created, the Obama Winter White House. So if you look <laughs> right. up Obama Winter White House, you'll still see our real estate development because it was such a powerful meme for its season. And, and, and so that, that story is just a quick capsulation of how you can leverage those core disciplines when you do it strategically and you do it thoughtfully and you do the hard work. Magic happens. Obama Winter White House. I must Google that. And Bill, I've got to say, you know, that book was a very valuable book to me. I appreciate your kind feedback. I remember showing you my nine-step business growth framework, which still exists on my website. You can access it at ProductiveInsights.com. You had mentioned to me that there's one step I think that's missing, and that is the mission. So I added that at the top. So that's okay. the first step now, you know, to mirror what you're saying. Something that I see different in my nine-step framework to most other marketing mm -hmm. frameworks is I talk about the importance of creating an empathy map, which, by the way, is not my idea. It was first, I think, coined by a man called Dave Gray. And the idea is you do your customer avatar. So, you know, how old is my customer? Where does he or she live? And et cetera, et cetera. But then you ask yourself, what is my customer hearing, seeing, doing, thinking, feeling right now before they buy my service or product while they're using my service of production, after they use it. And here's an example around how it can make a world of difference to us as marketers. Imagine company A is selling washing machines and company A says, okay, our target customer is a guy called Ash and he's 30 years old, he's recently married, he's got a family of four and he's buying his first washing machine. So his income is $100,000 a year and we're going to try and target this guy. So they start sending a whole lot of messages, ads, and what we used to call above-the-line marketing campaigns about how company A's washing machines are the best in the world. They're made of surgical steel. They last a lifetime because they have identified that as their ideal customer, and they have assumed that the problem that Ash, their target customer, has is I want a lifelong a washing machine that never breaks down. Meanwhile, company B has taken the trouble to ask themselves, what is Ash thinking? What is Ash doing, seeing, hearing, feeling, thinking before they buy our product? And they realize that Ash is trying to figure out the difference between a top loader and a front loader. And so when Ash goes to Google, which is where most of us head to these days when we're doing information or product discovery, he types in front loader versus top loader. And note that there is no washing machine in that phrase at all. Up comes a brilliant article that tells him, Ash, how many people in your family? How frequently do you wash? Do you use delicate wash? And so on and so forth. And then 
it says, okay, you need a front loader and you need a four kilo washing machine. We use the word, we use kilos. Maybe you guys use pounds in the US. And here's a buy now button. Who's Ash going to buy it from, right? It's probably company B because they took the trouble to understand their persona, but did an empathy map around them, understood their problem that they need to solve to then naturally, organically trigger a purchase. And I don't know about the States, but in Australia, the banks do this really well. They spend millions of dollars on the calculators they put on the websites, probably which they don't get paid for, but they sell one of the biggest products off the back end of that. If we spend a bit more time deeply understanding our audience and solving a problem, depending on where they are on their journey, and that's another point I want to make. And this is, you know, borrowing from something I heard Brian Halligan from HubSpot say, the awareness, consideration, and decision stage. If you can create solutions to problems people have at each of those three stages of their journey in the form of content, I think that's a beautiful way to engage, to serve en masse, and then just attract the best quality prospects towards you in a way that is non-spammy and non intrusive. It's not interruption driven. It's more service driven. What are your thoughts on that? I totally agree. I mean, you hit on the, the, the key word, which really ties to this whole concept of relationship marketing. I mean, simply because relationships by their nature are hard in part because we have to listen a lot yeah. to have a good relationship and yes. to listen a lot. And then to be able to interpret what that means and what my actions might be really requires us to grow in our emotional intelligence and empathy. How you outline that process, while it's a strategic business process, it's also an act of love. Yes. In the sense that if I really know you, I'm going to ask, how are you doing right now? Well, I need to know this. How are you doing right now? The only way you know those things is through relationship. You can't sit in a boardroom and make a fake avatar and throw up a picture or a stick figure and say, mission accomplished. We got it. We know what we want. They look like that. You don't know what they look like yes. until you really know what they really look like. Yes. And you only get to know that through research. You only get to know that by asking by connecting. And for most of us, and I just say most of us, depends on the nature of our business, but most of us can say, we probably have a list of platinum clients that we'd say, I wish I had a thousand of those. I wish I had 10,000 of those. Now, are there outliers? Of course there are. But in many cases for a lot of product categories, there are some large blocks that probably represent the, you know, the the 80-20 rule that they might be a specific block, but they really do represent the large majority of your market opportunity. And if you know them really well by talking to them, asking them questions, following up, serving them, you start framing up exactly what you're talking about. Not just a a great business, but an empathetic, meaningful engagement that most clients might later on say, well, I have a good relationship with X. I have a good relationship with X. And ultimately, that carries over beyond the persons behind X to the brand behind X. Yes. And if you do that properly, like a good friend, people say, you know what? I want to introduce you to my good friend. It's brand blanky blank. Wow, did they treat me well? 
Did they care about me? Did they understand my journey? Did they follow up? Here's the thing in relationships too. Relationships are not born and maintained because people are perfect. They're born and maintained because people care and deliver. And when businesses recognize that, yeah, well, we want to be perfect, we want to be flawless, the truth is more important, we want to show up, we want to deliver, we want to care. And when we do that consistently, businesses grow, relationships grow, and opportunities grow. I agree completely. You know, to your point earlier on, when you were talking about the Obama Winter White House, I thought that was a wonderful example. Another company that I saw do that really well, and Steve Jobs talked about this, was Nike. They would celebrate athletes and they were just selling a shoe, but they would talk about the passion and the mission that these athletes had and they would celebrate that mission. And they broke through a lot of noise with that approach. And I see that you are teaching something similar in 7DRM. Well, yeah, and it's, it's again, 7DRM is a, is a product of so much, like you've become this literally encyclopedia of brilliant marketing wisdom. And I, I, I am not, not the, the fountain that devised this, but I am the person that over 30 years have accumulated some understanding related. And Nike is one of my clients. The thing that's really powerful about Nike, I think they embody and demonstrate so well, is this reminder that we do have relationships. We want to have relationships. And Nike is a shoe is a good shoe. I don't think anybody will argue that Nikes are not good shoes. But they are a piece of cloth and rubber yes. and foam and logo and stuff like that. But they became great when they attached themselves to the personification of an attribute that people wanted for themselves. Yes. And that came through their relationship with athletes. So if you go to the Nike campus right now, you know, you'd see the Tiger Woods Center. You'd see the Michael Jordan Center. You'd see different Serena Williams, all these different fabulous athletes throughout the ages, despite them not being flawless. These are people that are real like you and me, but they embody attributes that we would desire for ourselves. And Nike has blended its brand around that personification and that attribute. So much so that when you look at Nike, the logo – Now, of course, it's cost them billions of dollars to do this. When you look at Nike, the logo, you see your heroes. You see the person you could become. You see the athlete you can become. You see the fighter you can become. You see the hero you can become. When you attach those attributes, you'd say, when I buy that shoe and I wear that, it makes me feel that. Oh, and by the way, in case I'm not that, my product that I wear tells you that I'm that. Yes. It's like that radio. It's like getting in your car and turning up the radio really loud so everybody in the neighborhood can hear that badass song you're listening to. That's me. (laughs) That shoe I'm wearing, that's me. You know, in episode 176, I spoke to Todd Herman, the author of The Alter Ego Effect, and he talks about artifacts and totems. And these Nike products sort of serve as those totems, don't they, where you can almost activate this alter ego, this 
attribute, this amazing persona that can allow you to be extraordinary. And that's what we want to aspire to be. Exactly. Nike has done that really well. And I'm just thinking right now that, you know, the Apple Watch, Apple, of course, has created the Nike Apple Watch that you can get. And it's got certain things the normal Apple Watch doesn't give you. The next Apple Watch I'm going to get is that one. <laughs> because <laughs> I want to start exercising more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's that, that relationship is not only a product of two incredibly brilliant companies recognizing the power of collaboration. It's also the product of each one being on each other's boards and right. recognizing, recognizing the business opportunity that exists when you have two incredibly global powerhouse brands. Yes. And kind of getting back to this idea of relationship, Really at the heart of it, why did they become so great? In part, because they created the personification of their brand. And it's in the personification that relationship is born. It's in personification that human attributes are realized. And for companies that don't have a billion dollars, and they don't have a giant enterprise, guess what? There still is a hero and a personification that can embody all those attributes for your company. And that's you. Yep. You become the personification. I say that not from the perspective of, oh, you know, put on some polish and pretend to be something you're not, but rather work to become everything that you aspire to be. And let that be the embodiment of your brand. Let that be the personification of your company. Let that become the icon and the shining light to the culture of your team as you go out and you serve others. That's really the beauty of relationship marketing is not just that relationship with them, but also the relationship you have with yourself. This is where we start touching on very interesting topics, which I would love to talk to you about at some point, brand personality, brand equity. But a lot of that, interestingly, is tied to the team that runs the business. It starts from the CEO, but doesn't end there. Uh, I believe that everybody in the business can behave like a leader. It doesn't have to just be the CEO, but you do need somebody who is willing to drive these qualities. And if the CEO doesn't have it, it's normally quite difficult for the rest of the company to have it because it sort of flows from the top down. But this is why I think culture is so important. And if you have a leader, preferably many leaders, that personify these qualities, that embody these qualities, it then eventually carries through to the brand, which then carries through to the products and hopefully has a ripple effect into the broader community. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the idea that, you know, every touch point will build or undermine your brand means every touch point will. And, uh, you know, down to someone answering the phone, responding to an email, you know, it's not just a logo or a design or a, a cool slogan. It really becomes a heart check. And, um, you know, for all of us in business, all of us, period, whether we're in business or not, have to have that heart check that asks the question, why? Hmm. Why am I here? What difference can I make in this world? What will be my legacy? 
How will that be expressed through my company, through my product, through my team? And ultimately, if you've been around for a while, you move past the idea of how can I build a business to that idea of how can I build a legacy and how can I pour myself into the lives of not just my clients, but my team. Because if you really believe that what you're doing is incredible and transformational, you don't want that to die with you. Yes. You don't want to just move it on in a sales or, you know, a nice clean exit. You want the things that you have built to make a lasting difference, if not just in, in, in business world, but the idea that you've planted a seed in every employee, every yes. vendor, every contractor that says, there's something deep and meaningful that I want to share with you. And I want you to carry with you the rest of your life. And in my case, the single biggest message I share with my team around relationship is to love. Mm. Genuinely love your clients, love your team, love in terms of alignment with your faith, love the mm -hmm. divine, love yourself and honor and respect. And if we can do that to the degree that it's genuine and it's real, we will deliver with delight. We will deliver with generosity. We will yes. deliver with, with a level of hospitality and caring that, look, again, if you don't build a multi-billion dollar business, you will still change the world. Yes. And a multi-billion dollar business isn't as attractive as most of us seem to think it is because they have their own challenges. You know, you oh, could yeah. have a small business that is deeply impactful, very meaningful, but focuses on things like kindness and integrity. If you're listening to this or watching this, I recommend checking out episode 38 with Rand Fishkin, the founder of SEO Moz. He's been on three times, one of my favorite guests. And we talked about kindness as a competitive advantage in episode 38. You can find that at productiveinsights.com slash 38. He also shared a very moving story. And I've actually got his book right here called Lost and Founder about what happened with SEO Moz. So that's episode 159. And you can check that at productiveinsights.com slash 159. Let's talk about the biggest challenges then. We've touched on this in many ways already, but what are the biggest challenges you've seen people face when it comes to implementing the relationship marketing approach and what's worked best in terms of overcoming them? You know, there's a lot of obstacles. Um, the first obstacle is emotional intelligence. One, the awareness of what relationship really is. And that starts with even self-awareness. And a lot of us are so busy. We're doing things and we're hustling. We're running as fast as we can. And it's interesting is that a lot of us tragically are playing a game that was already designed by somebody else. The scorecard has already been designed by somebody else. How we supposedly win is designed by somebody else. And we're busy playing the game. There will be a point where the game will be over. And we're going to have to look back upon this field and say, is this a game I intended to play? Is yes. this the, the yes. way I wanted to win? And I think a lot of us tragically are going to say, what the heck was I doing? What was I thinking? And the beauty of, I think, the COVID season that, that we've experienced recently is it's caused a lot of us to reflect. And it's given us an opportunity to say, is this what I want to do the rest of my life? 
Yep. And there's an old saying that one of the great challenges of climbing the ladder of success is getting to the top and realize you've been climbing the wrong ladder. This gives us a precious opportunity to reflect on what it is we want to do and the difference we want to make in the world and what we're prepared and equipped to do. And all that requires reflection. And it's a reflection that most of us are not willing to do Mm. because we're too busy doing than being. Mm. And when we live in a world where the score is kept by doing and not being, we find ourselves seduced into a world that robs us of getting deep with ourselves, and being thoughtful and being caring, which also means it robs us from being as caring and deep as we can be with each other. And when you realize that that is a systemic obstacle that exists in this world, that is one of the single biggest obstacles that robs people from really engaging in relationship marketing. I guess you could say it's because they struggle with having a deep relationship with themselves. So if you can break through that, and usually it takes an episode or, you know, every once in a while I run into people and they're just brilliant. They go, I get it. But most of us, like for me, my death experience, it was a wake-up call for me. And I can honestly tell you that the loving and caring and the person that's so passionate about relationships would exist here today had I not had an episode that forced me to ask some deep questions and to reflect about what my life was about and what I was going to do with it. Yeah, that was a very powerful story. Could you share it in brief with us? You were on a plane and suddenly your heart stopped. As abbreviated as I can. Sure. It was January 28th, 1999, and I had produced a documentary and received a, a call from a company in Nashville, Tennessee, that they wanted to distribute the product. And, oh, by the way, they had a, a nice big fat check to uh, for the privilege of, of distributing it. I thought, oh, this is great. Yeah. So I got on a plane from Portland, Oregon, which is my home base, uh, that morning thinking my life is going to change today. This is a whole new business model. I I can get pretty darn excited about this. But 20 minutes into the flight, yeah, I I started to feel funny. And I couldn't put my finger on it. uh, But it got so bad that I finally turned to my best buddy who was sitting next to me. And I said, Tim, uh, I'm not feeling right. It's the last thing I said. And my eyes fell back in my head and my arms flopped by my side. My heart stopped. And so Timothy, God bless him one of the greatest audio engineers and gospel singers in the world, giant guy, literally lifted me up, put me in the, in the aisle and was able to resuscitate me. Oh man. Resulted in emergency landing and, and um, finally in a cardiac wing. And, and uh, actually I have in front of me this device right here. Right. That is my first pacemaker. Wow. Diagnosed me with malignant neurocardiogenic syncope, and uh, I have uh, to such a degree that six times a day my heart gets to a dangerously low rate, and my pacemaker has to intervene. And if not for my pacemaker, I would have died sometime during our talk today. And the world would be so much poorer for it. I'm so grateful to that pacemaker because, Bill, it's been such a pleasure and an honor to have you as a friend, a client, just to have interacted with you all these years, you bring so much goodness and the world needs it right now. So thank you. And thank you, Pacemaker. Yeah. 
No, it's uh, I think my pacemaker. And you know what the best part is? Is that when you go to bed every night, reflecting on the thankfulness that you had that day, and then you wake up the next morning with the awe and the wonder that you've been given another day. Yeah. It's a game changer. Yep. It's a game changer because every day is precious. And I honestly believe in all my heart that if you've been given the gift of breath today, it means that you have a destiny. It means you have a purpose. It means that you've not only been given the gift of life, you now have a precious gift to give to others. And it makes every day that much more precious, that much more exciting. And I get to spend it with incredible people like you. (laughs) Thank you, Bill. So are you still friends with Tim? Oh, yeah. I was just with him yesterday. Oh, how cool. Please tell him thank you. I will. I'll, I'll tell him thank you. He is, he's incredible. Absolutely still uh, one of my best friends in the entire world. And we're like family. We're very much oh, that's like family. Wonderful. That's so good to hear. So, Bill, we've talked about so many things in this short time. It's been like a lifetime of conversation, which often tends to happen when we talk. We talked about the importance of relationship marketing and how it differs from more traditional marketing approaches. It's less driven by metrics. It's more driven by empathy, building connections, a nurturing approach, kindness. We talked about the importance of deeply understanding the audience and understanding their journey so that we have some kind of a perspective that is more aligned with their worldview rather than ours. We talked about the importance of having more of a give first and then ask later kind of approach. We talked about brand value, brand personality, how that came to be and how you've achieved great things for your clients like Nike or the real estate company you talked about. That excellent case study about the Obama Winter White House. I'll be quoting that for a long time to come. We also talked about some of the biggest challenges, one of the biggest challenges that people face when it comes to adopting relationship marketing, which really starts with exploring within ourselves and becoming self-aware and understanding that all starts from in here. And it starts from using a word that is not commonly used in the marketing business world, and that is love. And I really thought that's an important phrase. So some of the biggest action steps I think our listeners can take from this conversation would be to start journaling. I've been doing that on and off for many years. I wish I did it every day. I'd be lying if I said I did, but I do it at least two or three times a week. Something like the morning pages is a great thing to do as well, which is a form of journaling where you just handwrite stuff. You can type as well if you want, but you write about three pages of just uninterrupted writing to kind of get the creative juices flowing. I find that's very helpful for creativity as well. And that was first coined by a lady called Julia Cameron, who Guy Kawasaki interviewed on his podcast. And I recommend listening to that conversation. Make a commitment to start putting your thoughts down on paper so that you can see them and develop some kind of an objective relationship with your thoughts and your thought patterns, which then is the opening to a relationship with yourself that has a fair amount of awareness around it. Is there anything you would like to add to that in terms of action steps or any other things you'd like to add to the conversation? One of my highest recommendations, you know, not to just plug my book, but 
this first discipline in the seven disciplines of relationship marketing really is the power of mission. Yes. And uh, a lot of us are running based upon other people's missions or the missions that people told us we should have. And without even doing deep dive reflection, we've been busy mimicking behaviors and becoming successful um, by basically doing what other people have said are important. And the mission manifesto really begs the question, what's really important to you? Yes. And there's there's five steps in there. And if you go to 7drm.com, the yep. number 7drm.com, I have worksheets in there. And one of them is this, the mission manifesto worksheet. And it's a way for you to take that journaling and create an inventory for yourself, starting with purpose. And I'm sure you've had it on your show many, many times. Dean Graciosi talks about it. A number of people talked about it. But getting that purpose, I love the exercise of the seven whys. Yes. You say, why am I doing this? And, and then we say, why are you doing it? Why is that important to you? Yes. And then why is that important to you? Why is that important to you? It sounds silly just to describe it, but as I've written about it in my book and others have written about it, the idea of doing that is peeling back the layers. Mm -hmm. And what I have found is that when you start peeling back the layers and you really get to your why, really what your why is, you know when you're getting close because most people start to hold back tears. Mm -hmm. It really gets to the essence of more than just, I want more leads. I want to grow my top line. I want to be successful. What's really important to you starts to emerge. And when you get to that, now you can be very authentic and powerful in creating those missions going forward. And if you do that without that, just know that you're writing on a track that someone else has built. But when you do that, you're forging a road that's unique for you to take you to your unique destiny that allows you to have the unique impact that you can have on the world. We need your unique impact. I don't need you to fake somebody else's. There's enough of that. I need you. The world needs you. And the only way you know that is when you know you. And that will be a breakthrough in the impact of your business and your life. So, Bill, how do our listeners or our viewers get access to this book And how can they find out more about you? Well, I would say the best way is to talk to my friend, Ash Roy. (laughs) Well, we'll definitely post a link to it in the show notes. One of my claims to fame is being your friend, and I'm honored to be your friend. But The Seven Disciplines of Relationship Marketing is available as a print book on Kindle and on Audible on Amazon.com. So it's easy to just uh, order it directly from Amazon. However, if you'd like the free tools and the worksheets that I have available that support the book, go to 7drm.com. Because right there, I've got some of the downloads of worksheets that go as a companion with the book completely free. And, and there, there's a link to Amazon. So it's a great way to get connected and get those resources. And by all means, I'm available on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram, Bill Dolan underscore Spirit Media. Um, I'm now at Bill Dolan on uh, uh, Clubhouse as well and occasionally doing rooms and summits talking about relationship marketing. And, of course, you can email me, Bill, at spiritmedia.com. I, I answer all my emails And if I can help you become 
the best you can be to make an impact in the world, that is my absolute mission because I'm here to multiply the love that we should have for each other. Well, I also recommend checking out spiritmedia.com. I love the website. And the next time we speak, Bill, I'm going to ask you about that Iron Man you have behind you, that Iron Man outfit, because there is a lovely story around that, if I recall correctly. And I can't well, wait to talk about there's that. There's a lot more to the story. I will tell you, there's a lot to that story. Well, let's set it up soon. And I'm going to have you back on the show and we'll be talking a lot more. There's so much we have to talk about. And oh, I really man. appreciate you being on, being a client, being a friend. Thank you. Thank you, Ash. It was absolutely an honor, a long overdue honor. <laughs> yes. I will say, we've talked about this a long time. Absolutely an honor. You are a great host. You are a brilliant ambassador of being a lifelong learner and understanding the power of not only marketing, but the heart and the relationship that you display with, with every guest. Um, I'm just blessed to be here with you, my friend. Thank you so much.